When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Star Talk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm your personal astrophysicist. And I am director in my day job of the Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History. In studio with me is the one, the only, the inimitable Chuck Nice. Oh, yes. Chucky baby. Hey. Chuck Nice comic. That's right. Yes. You know who's, I, who, I, I've got clips of an interview I conducted get with, guess who? Sir David Attenborough. Wow. Sir, he's one of the great communicators of our time. A legendary. And he's like hosted all these science documentaries. I think many people, he is their conduit to, to science. Absolutely. And, and, and given his, his history as a TV host and as a naturalist and as a, a science educator, I, you were not sufficient alone to help me with this show. Won't be the Chuck. first time I heard that. <laughs> Chuck, I, so I looked around and I found me some, uh, He's my. I call him sir. I don't know if the queen ever had anything to say about it. Sir William Nye. Bill Nye, thanks for being on Star Talk Thank Radio. you for having me. He's Ed, so Bill, you know. So Neil. We, David Attenborough, dude. He's the he's dude. It. That's the man. Except I guess it's dude. <laughs> is, that, is that dude with a British accent? Yeah. <laughs> Just, yes. But definitely uh, known as the great communicator. Yes. Peerless educator. He's every everyone wants him to be their, gra- their grandfather. Uh, Greatest absolutely. broadcaster of our time. So it's been said. Yeah, you know? yeah. And the cool thing about this show is that uh, if I might, just. Uh, Wet your buttocks with my lips for a second. That is nasty. What, what, <laughs> where, why, where are we going with this? <laughs> okay, go on. But I am sitting in a room. Uh, we have Sarah David Attenborough on the show, and I'm sitting in a room with two of the greatest science educators of our time, both of you in your own right, uh, ambassadors of science for the entire globe. That's pretty impressive. Chuck, I would have had you on the show e- anyway. Wow. Right? <laughs> you got the job. Chuck, 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 Chuck you're fabulous. <laughs> Even without that. <laughs> thank you. Chuck, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, let's see. Well, maybe we'll have a, 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 a science educator uh, dance-off or something. That sounds out. good. <laughs> Cage match. Let's find out where where Sir Dave, David Attenborough can take us. Let's start off. You don't look 87, sir. <laughs> Sometimes fit. 
So is it because you run around the world that keeps you young? I mean, if we're being serious, it's luck, isn't it? You well, know, yeah, the luck I of the think, genes. I can think of, well, very close friends of mine or relations of mine who got the same sort of genes, and they can't get about at all. <laughs> Watching you run around the world, you get down with the animals and the plants, and you're crawling on the ground, and you're rowing boats, and... So you're not just a detached observer of nature, you're a participant. Less participatory than I was, but I mean, yeah, I still, yeah, I can pat a rhinoceros on a good day. <laughs> What's a spunky yeah, guy? I can pat a rhinoceros on a good day. You know, when I'm 87, I just hope I'm alive. <laughs> it's true. You're going you're gonna to break 30,000 days if you do that. That's a mark for me. <laughs> what? Uh, 30,000 days. 82 in seven weeks. There's 30,000 days. Yeah. And you, you and you know this why? It's one of my themes about how li- short life is, and you have to do your best to to live well. And we got to admire David Attenborough in that regard. Okay, so Bill, people love you, no doubt about that. They love them some Bill Nye, but they also love them some David Attenborough. So you want to want to find out why? Let, 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 I say bring it on. Br- bring it on. Let's find out. I spent five weeks in the UK. We were filmmaking there, and people couldn't stop talking about you. Everyone I met on my crew, they all wanted you to be their grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) You were the grandpa they always Uh, wanted or never had. And that's got to be a greater title than sir. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want that one. (laughs) How do you react when people just want to adopt you? There's enough for you to go around. Come on, you have such a huge... Yeah, I mean, people are very nice. I was so terribly polite and British of him, wasn't it? I think that's how they roll. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly it. Exactly how they roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and very modest. He's been knighted, which is I, my understanding is a big deal over there. Yeah, and I say over there in so, the world. So, Bill, what does it take? What does it take to be loved? Well, I think you're talking about science education. Yes, <laughs> I say it takes passion. You have to mm-hmm. you have to really want people to uh, get excited about it. You yourself, Doctor T. No, but I'm just talking about the universe and people come to that. I, I don't. I'm not really. But you know that feeling. To, I know. Yeah, you but, know that feeling. Do you realize the sun is a star? You want to grab people by the collar. Yes, right? that's, that's what I've done a and couple go, of times. And say, hey, look. Then they at call this. the police. <laughs> and so David Attenborough is uh, has the same passion, but he is from a different culture, and what he does is subtly. Under, in understated fashion. But you also have to be a storyteller. That's what he, I mean. He widens out, and there's the rhinoceros that he's patting on the on the, on no, the, on the, on the nose, nose, on the right. horn. On the horn. We just pictured that as he said it. Just as easy enough. Yeah, we didn't have to try to think that. It was there in front of us as the words came off his tongue. So it's, uh, I think it's your passion. What I always say all the time, what is it about your favorite teacher that you liked or loved? Hmm. And it was that he or she was passionate about it and wanted you to do well. The that teacher wanted you to do well because he cared or she cared about you. So he's not just a media guy because he studied geology and zoology at University of Cambridge. And I hear that's a good school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dar- um, Darwin, I think, went there as well, right? <laughs> and, he's got, and he's collected 32 honorary degrees from British University. Yeah, but they don't really count because <laughs> you didn't go there. You didn't attend. They don't really count. I heard a rebuttal to that once. I'll tell you later. Okay. It's a really well, good rebuttal. they care about you. Okay. No, but it's more than that. I, I'll tell you about that in a minute. All right. And so, uh, Bill, can you see any cultural differences between how you might try to communicate in the UK with the, with the United States? You've been around the world. No, no, it's exactly the same. Is Are it, you kidding? Except yeah. I'm just asking. No, it's uh, well, we all play the hand we're dealt. So I feel that if you're a British guy, you present your 
art in a British fashion, mm-hmm. that understated fashion. If you're an American guy, you wave your arms and jump around. You go over the top. That's the way we roll. We need explosions. But what the key to it is. <laughs> We're American. Yeah, but that means if you go to the UK, you look like some ape that dro- just dropped out of no, the no, sky. No, no, I look like a guy from the US. Ah, and you also oh, just look- a US guy. But yeah, you know yeah. what? The, the passion is what does it. That's what I'm saying. So and they so- see it. They see the passion. And they, and they feel they, it. Then oh, they feel I, I, I'm going to wrap this up here. I'm going to tie it together. Okay. The thing is, you want to be authentic. You okay. want when the viewer looks at you, you want him or her to feel that you care about him or her, that you're looking right at him, that you I'm trying to engage you, and that's what uh, I feel that when I see him on TV, and and this is what when you're doing your cosmosical thing, and uh, Carl Sagan, this is you feel this guy wants you wants to engage you, you feel, and he's authentic. So Carl Sagan's from the U.S., from New York, very well educated, enormous vocabulary. Uncle Bill is from. Somewhere in the U.S., and he uses some slang words, and he'll say, now, right now, which is a meaningful thing, but maybe he's not the best grammar, for example. <laughs> but you know that he cares about it. Okay, you get a B-minus so in grammar it. and an A-plus in everything else. There. God, you give me an A-plus from <laughs> Neil Tyson? In Check everything me out, Chuck. else. <laughs> so, so what I'm curious about, it, it, Chuck was around in another show where we talked about the culture of science. And yes. in England, they have a, in the UK, they have a culture of naturalism. All of these folks who would, part of the British Empire, wherever they went, they had people writing about what they saw, what collecting they felt. Specimens. Co- collecting specimens. Darwin's on their pound note. I guess it's five pound note. Uh, Darwin, it's not on the one pound note. That yeah. was my Eagle man, Deuce. Isaac Newton, but they don't even make the, the pound note yeah. anymore. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, they have a pound coin, but it's not a note. So let's find out. Just I wanted to get a sense of the legacy that he. He came is David out Attenborough, of. not yeah. Isaac Newton. Right. Check it out. Here in America, we, when we learn about sort of British scientists, often the 19th century rises up as the great period of the British naturalist. Mm-hmm. And now we see you as sort of, dare I say, carrying on that tradition? Well, Am I allowed to say well, that? No, you're not really. I mean, I'm not in that league. Uh-huh. I'm not a professional scientist. I mean, mm-hmm. I was educated as a scientist, and so I try and keep up. But I'm essentially a television filmmaker. But can I say that this legacy of British naturalism has influenced what you chose as a life work? Is that fair to say? It's I, in your I, would, I would have thought, and no more different here. I mean, I'm sure that people here, kids here, are influenced by reading Darwin and Darwin's account of the history of life on Earth, uh, just as they are in the UK. Yeah, but we don't have the legacy of our own doing this sort of thing. So I'm just curious. Well, I'll tell you. People sometimes say to me, well, what was the greatest influence? When you, what book did you influence mm-hmm. by? And my answer is Ernest Thompson Seton. Do you know who Ernest no, Thompson Seton? No, no. he was. He's an American. Well, he's a North American. He's a Canadian, if you'll allow that. <laughs> but he is. He wrote a series of books about 1910 called Tales of the Wild and Hunters and Hunted. And, mm-hmm. and it's about caribou and wolves. and a North uh, American mammal. He was a ranger on the Canadian Prairie, okay, all right, all right. and he wrote the most marvelous book by right. Canadian than, than I was before I got on to Darwin. So a little bit of North America helped you there. Yeah, certainly. I'm taking some credit for you there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's weird? It just occurred to me listening to that. He is who we all imitate when we want to imitate 
a high educated a British person. Educated British. Yes, <laughs> we did. Uh, yeah, look here. He's his, his uh, pictures in the audio book. In the right? audio, right? His recordings in the audio book. <laughs> yeah, the exactly. audio dictionary. That's what I'm going. That for. is the that is the accent. Yes, and, but it's yes. not. It's just how he speaks. Yes, indeed, indeed it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so we. He was a Canadian, if I may say. No, he's <laughs> pretty good. Shot. That. <laughs> North American. North American. No, no, North American. And he's. He's referring to the guy because if it was Canadian, he'd be sorry. He'd be so sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So what intrigues me, getting back to this cultural difference between how we bring science to the public, how we bring anything to the public, uh, one thing I noticed was in the United States, of course, we don't show humans mating unless it's triple X and you can't see it. We don't even show other animals mating. Yes. But I turned on British TV one time and there was some- there was, Action. There was some action. Some bounce a wow. <laughs> He's still a little. He's still. He's still so on his mind. Exactly. It really made an impression. Bum chicka wow. That's what it is. That's nineteen seventies porn soundtrack. I. That's the only porn that I have is seventies porn. I don't. I don't have a very the good internet connection. The, the principles are the same. This is true. Yes, we are evolving, but not quite that fast. You'll see a lot of the same interactions. Right. Can we say interactions on the Yeah, interactions are good. So I had to ask him what what is what accounts for this? Let's let's see his analysis of this. You know, we have some prudish people here in America. We are not as prone to show mating animals as show up in so many of your your works. Are the Brits just a little more tolerant of that sort of thing? Never had any problems. No, yeah, okay. No. And actually, of course, it only people only have any problems when that's occurred amongst mammals. I mean, the rest <laughs> of the population and so on is of, is of no consequence. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. When worms mate, no one cares. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, actually, the most, sensual, the most sensual reproductive sequence I've ever shot is between slugs. Have you ever seen slug mation? No, I'm sorry. Well, I, missed, are, I must have missed whole, out on that one. There are a great number of different species of slugs, but there's a certain particular slug which produces a, a rope of mucus and hangs down and dangles. And, in fact, of course, the things about slugs, as you probably know, is that they are both male and female in the same animal. Oh. But In astrophysics, we never learned that. You yeah. don't? <laughs> Boy, they're missing out something on Andromeda 4 now, if they don't know about that. But the end of just slugs, you see, the male part of one slug finds the female part of another, and vice versa. Oh, yeah. but the, so it's a but the contortions love. and the dance in which they do, which is in a theory called life in the undergrowth, mm -hmm. is is as sensual as you can probably take. <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, that's right. And a lot of people in, wrote in and said, exactly that. <laughs> Who would have thought? And no salt allowed at that no, party. That's dead right. <laughs> Man. Oh, my. I just love that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's the understatement that we Americans find so charming. Well, plus, Chuck got turned on by that description of mating slug. Well, with, how could you not with that accent? You know what I mean? I'm just Because you know it. there's something going on. Hey, you know there's something. He's not just slug. Here we are witnessing the uh, fecundity <laughs> so of uh, the Indian Ocean sea slug. And uh, believe it or not, you're actually witnessing a terrible rogering right now. You know, it's, it's very exciting. So it's, I wonder if it's possible to know too much about what's going on with the, in the animal. Kingdom. I don't think so. 
That's evolution. The more we know about how everybody does it, the more we're going to know. Well, you know, he's got a new six-part series. Are you embarrassed on- by slug sex? Is that what I'm getting from you? You're a little I, put I, off. I got. I blushed a little when I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a little so slug sex. <laughs> that's what he's talking about. That's how you make more slugs. Yes. So, that, so, and if they if they got into a brawl, it would be a slug fest. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. They, I'm sure they do get into brawls. There's got to be somebody. I thought it was funnier than that. Like, I didn't get like roarious laughs from that Chuck, comment. It was. was it? it was funny. Yeah, okay. So right. that's how. That's <laughs> how the experience. Com- yeah, it was funny. That's the comedian question. Yeah. Okay, Neil. Yeah, it was funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Yeah. That's. Uh, I've never laughed. Uh, so he's of. got a new series on B- on BBC One. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say that with a British accent. Chuck. A BBC One. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Nice we'll turn. We'll turn to Chuck for this. Uh, a new six-part series called Life Story, and it began earlier in the fall. And uh, the guy's—he's not—he's unstoppable. It's just he's un- passionate. That's that, what that, he's that's bringing. Passion to the sh- you to the live off the passion. So now, now I'm thinking everyone on this show except me has a tremendous educational TV presence. I got to teach somebody something. Okay, <laughs> so it's passion, people, and the beauty and joy. PB and J. I heard Science. that from someone one time. Yeah. So you know, his whole life he's been making films about life on Earth. His whole life. Okay. And you I have to ask time. him: Is he like? Is he going to do? Is that how? Is that how he rolls? Let's find out. Your filmography is huge. I don't need to repeat that here. Everyone knows it. But what intrigues me about it is, it is spans the entire breadth of life on Earth. It's not just mammals, as we all favor in zoos and things. It's not just birds, as bird collectors would. Uh, it's insects. It's plants. Uh, here's one. Have you done one on fungi? <laughs> uh, I mentioned, yeah. Yeah, because we did, um, as you were rightly infer, plants are not fungi are not plants. Right, they're, they're different not. kingdom altogether. Uh-huh. But actually, there's only one single subject we're covering, and that's the history of life. But in fact, it's the history, why they appeared in the order they did, why they changed into the way they did. That's an important sociocultural observation because we look around the world and we say, this is one kind of life, that's another kind of life, here's one kind of plant. And what you're saying is, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if we take a step back, put it all together and say, this is life on Earth and we're part of that system, that's a whole other outlook. Well, that's what I've been trying to do all my life, really. Do you think you've succeeded? That's for others to say. I mean, uh, you can chronicle the, uh, you, the history of life in a surprisingly uh, detailed way in quite a short period. Uh, you know, that life starts in the deep sea and, and, and it leads to different kinds of invertebrates and shells and crustaceans and shrimps and so on. But then there are fish with backbones and fish with backbones emerge onto land and become amphibians with wet skins and amphibians with wet skins get dry skins and become reptiles and some of the reptiles turn their scaly skins into feathers and become birds and the others turn them into hairs and become mammals. This is biology 101 in (laughs) 30 seconds. But that's what the history is. Mm -hmm, And you mm -hmm. you can put as much or as little detail on that skeleton as you like. And you have put great detail on it. Well, I mean, that's the the essence of evolution by natural selection right there. There it is. And in the next segment, that's what we're going to focus on. And I heard that Bill did some writing on this recently. I did <laughs> jot some things down. Not jot some things down. <laughs> no, it's exciting. And uh, David Attenborough was part of that for me. You know, the, the, this book that I hope we're going to discuss shortly uh, is a result of the stories that I've heard my whole life having to do with life science, biology, how we all got here. It answers that, it addresses that deep question. How, how did we, we all, all get, get here? here? 
you have answers to that question. Yeah. Maybe. Or, is yeah. that why the book is on the bestseller list? It is to be hoped. That is a <laughs> cause and effect. <laughs> when we cool. come back, more of my interview with David Attenborough, Sir David, when we return. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. StarTalk Radio, we're back. I'm Tyson Chuck Nice across the table from me. Yes, I am. In our radio studio. And to my right, Sir William Bill Nye. 
Bill, thanks for being on. We're featuring my interview with Sir David Attenborough when he visited New York, and he gave a public talk at the American Museum of Natural History, and that's when I snared him for my Star Talk interview. And it was all about sort of evolution and the and the, the beauties and glories of nature. Yes. And in that time, since I made that recording with him, you went away, wrote a book, got it published, and debuted as number eight on the New York Times bestseller. That's out of control. Which is now its natural habitat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's all about evolution. Undeniable. But it sounds like you're not talking about evolution. You're, trying, you're sticking that in somebody's face. It sounds like. Well, this is based on this debate that I did in Kentucky with a guy who insists that the earth or seems to believe that the earth is 6,000 years old. Ken Ham. Ken Ham. Ken Ham. I call it Ham on Nye debate. Ham on Nye. And uh, Bill doesn't like it when I say that. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it'd be Nye on Ham. That's all. No, no, but there is no such sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there could be. That would be an inside-out sandwich. You may have started That's something. That's a wrap. Okay. That's a wrap. The thing is uh, that it's very important for all of us, in my opinion, to understand the basic idea in all of life science, the basic idea in biology, and that is evolution. That is the natural history of life on Earth. That's why we named a museum after it, for crying out loud. Now, allow me to say that uh, Bill's book is not just any other book on evolution. There's tons of them, but he is the science guy, TSG, and he knows how to... I'm talking to Chuck now, not to you, Bill. Uh, so he, he's, the, the book is a breezy, anecdotal... And the content is real, and you finished reading the book, and it was though Bill was just sitting right next to him, and you were just drinking a beer with him. So are you saying that Bill is an extremely effective communicator? Uh, yeah, I guess that I was saying that in another way. <laughs> yes, I could have taken less time. He was like a really good getter-acrosser of thingsers. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, that's if you wanted to have things across. <laughs> thank you, Neil. Seriously, thank yeah, you. Yeah, and I'm going to read my blurb that's on the cover, right? Oh, look at With that. With his charming, breezy narrative style, Bill empowers the reader to see the natural world as it is, not as some would wish it to be. He does it right, and as I expected, he does it best. Ooh. I love you, Neil. I love you, brother Neil. Bill. Bill. So you can't know about evolution unless you look around nature and like collect stuff. Yes. Yeah, Darwin collected stuff. Collected. That's the thing you got to respect. You got to collect, and then you theory and the evidence in one book, and then you observe it, and then you draw your conclusions. Yes, based on it. So I want to find out if if, uh, Sir David Attenborough. Uh, just did he collect? I just wondered. Did he? Was he one of these this subspecies of human who collects stuff? Let's find out. Uh, you collect stuff as a kid? Yeah, fossils what? mostly. Fossil? Yeah, yeah, well, wait a minute. You're in the UK. How, you yeah, don't just stumble on yes, fossils. Yes, you don't realize. We don't have buffaloes. No. We don't have rattlesnakes. No. We don't have all these lovely things you've got. In the Midwest here yeah. in the United States. Yeah. So where did you get your fossils? In Britain. I lived in the middle of Britain in a city called Leicester. And it has uh, rocks of the Jurassic period, uh, which are full of ammonites and uh, shark teeth. And um, Okay, you also have to know what you're looking for. Anyone else will walk by it and no, just... No, no. If you see a lovely coiled shell in, in the middle of a block of rock in the middle of England, and you think, how on earth is there going to be a shell that's obviously come from the deep sea? Well, you think that. Most people don't even pause. 
Well, I mean, they pause, they say, and oh yes, they, I mean, in past times they said, well, of course those were put there by the, by the saints. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, there was mm-hmm. a saint here who was, uh, the place was infested with snakes, and she decided to rid the people of the snakes and turn them into these things, which are ammonites, but they believed them, they were called snake stones until the 19th century. That was an and, and used, used as uh, uh, charms to cure disease. Do you collect stuff as an adult? <laughs> I collect anything you could think of. Bus tickets, almost anything you want. <laughs> it's an interesting you know, phenomenon. Psychologists, psychologists have words for people who collect everything. Well, well no, 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 as long as they do it legally, they don't go, it's okay. No, but, but quite seriously, collecting is a very m- maligned um, subject. The fact is that if you collect things, you learn about taxonomy. You learn about cataloging. You learn about... What, why an animal is related to another animal, and what the difference between they are, and which are different species, and you learn an awful lot. And it's not an accident that you know the greatest naturalist who ever lived, Charles Darwin, was besotted with beetles. He collected beetles, thousands of beetles. <laughs> Do you know how many species of beetles are? I, I, I only, I don't even want to know. I, okay, how many? So I, I don't know, <laughs> but, I, but, but it's, it's something like a hundred thousand. Yeah, uh-huh. hundred thousand beetles. Just, just kinds of beetles. Yeah, different species of beetle. Mm. Mm. And, and, and that led people to think, why? Uh, and some people would say because the good Lord decided he wanted three Good Lord beetles. likes beetles. Yes. Better right. than he likes humans, actually. You've got to explain right. that one. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, and, um, and it set Darwin wondering as to why there were so many beetles. Mm-hmm. And he came out with a quite an important theory. What was that? According to uh, evolution by natural selection. Well, there it is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, he's got it. He's got it. So, Bill, did you collect stuff as a kid? Yeah. What did you collect? Rocks. And then uh, in ninth grade, we were compelled to get an insect collection. Really? Ah. I can still give you order and family of a lot of insects. Mm. And wow. you can see evolution, you know, from your orthopterans to your hymenopterans, for example. I was, I, clear, okay. Clearly. Right. Your locusts <laughs> to your four-wing flies. Gotcha. And you, you can see it. And Chuck, uh, do you ever collect anything? I collect dung beetles. Um, <laughs> do you really? Because it would be pretty cool if you did. It would be pretty cool because, quite frankly, they're so varied. And it uh, really depends on upon where they live. You so no, when you speak of dung beetles, you have to use in a British accent. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I collect dung beetles. <laughs> there you go. Uh, people don't know, but some dung beetles. I think beetles you're pulling are, our metal tarsal. Yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I I did I, collect things as a kid. I didn't collect Jack no? as a kid. No. You know what's funny? I still okay. I'm ashamed to say what I collect right now, but it's hotel key cards. Don't ask me. Let's not go into it. Really? That's what I collect right now. Okay. When I was older, I started collecting keys. Really? Yeah. I have a key ring that has maybe 500 keys on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I stopped. I said, "Why the hell am I doing this?" And then I just stopped. That's just one morning. Open I woke every up. door. <laughs> open every door you encounter. So Bill Darwin was a big collector. He came up with. Evolution by natural selection. Could you give us like a three-minute exposition of Darwin's theory of evolution? The big idea is that uh, living things make more of themselves than can survive. Okay. Troubling, troubling realization. But All right. left to their own, dandelions would take over the world. Left to their own. That's why there's so many acorns on the ground under exactly, an acorn tree. Exactly. That's why there's so many sperm. Right. Yes. Half a billion last yes. I counted. Yeah. Uh, wow, that would take you all afternoon. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> I estimated. <laughs> so uh, that fundamental idea. That Damn you, it, I lost count. So you end up <laughs> start again. Starting over. Go ahead. Uh, well, that, I mean, 
and you can't really tag them. Not, I mean, there's probably a radio. <laughs> well, you stay there. But the thing is, uh, species make more of themselves than can survive, so they compete uh, for places and ecosystems, and then they compete within their own species. That's sexual selection, and then here we all are. Now, uh, along this line. People, the consequent, the conclusion that Darwin reached, and I think many naturalists reach naturally, is that uh, we are all to have a common ancestor. We're all descended from the same thing, right? Whatever that thing is, and people throw out the word single-celled organism, archaea, with well, something like this. But uh, there's no evidence on Earth so far that there's any other way to do it except with DNA. So uh, this. The thing that is fascinating is Charles Darwin wrote this book where he has the theory and the experiments. He was quite a diligent experimental in one volume, and he didn't know about DNA. Yes. He didn't know about genes as such, genetics. He didn't know what we think of as genes. He didn't know chromosomes, really. He just was like jamming, looking at his collections and reaching amazing conclusions, world-changing conclusions. Got to respect that. Which have since been confirmed oh, via man. Every DNA which way. and Every which chromosomes oh, yeah. and genes and so oh, forth. Oh, yeah. So we're all connected. That's right. Yes. We are the world. <laughs> yeah, well, there's we a lot to that. We are the children. And speaking of which, talking some more about me. We are the I have a chapter in here about race. Here is Undeniable, the book. Yes. The book, yes. I have a chapter in here about race. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you, you can run this experiment, I don't think we should do it right now during the show. Mm, is that because you are outnumbered? No, because <laughs> no, no, we, can easily, <laughs> because we can easily outrun you. That's what that is. No, Actually, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, <clears throat> no, no. You can try this. A guy from Africa mm -hmm. could interact. Can we say interact? With a woman from Japan. Right. And all you're going to get is a human. You're not going to get anything else. Anything else. else. No, I'm sorry. Nothing people. else. That's all you're going to get. Right. And I know we all love our doggies. That was very Miss Saigon there, you know, the man from the West and the woman from the East. Well, there's a guy who became the most powerful, influential man on earth who was a product of that sort of thing. Somebody uh, from East Africa and somebody from Kansas. So true. Right? Yes. Uh, Kansas, who was no doubt from European, Northern European descent, where That's they it. got so far north, migrated from Africa so far north, they had to get the skin light enough to get enough vitamin D or they're... They ain't going to make it. Or they would have perished. That's right. Yes. We're all playing the hand we're dealt. We're all alike. And this that is... man went on to become our first Kenyan president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with all that said, seriously, it is a deep evolutionary lesson that yeah. there is no such thing mm -hmm. as race. Sweet. There's tribes, but not races. All right. So humans, what do you say? Humans. People say, well, if we're descended from apes, how come they're still around? Oh, no, no. Uh, you're descended from an ancestor before apes. And uh, why wouldn't the apes still be around? Right. You don't have to get rid of the apes when you go, why wouldn't a 1955 Chevy be available at an auction even though you're making 2016 Chevys? Right. So now then, Not a perfect analogy. <laughs> evolution Why of would they go away? So, so when you speak to that, this common ancestor, this is where people want to know. Like, who, what was that common ancestor? So they're, they're become, that's, that's where everybody gets all caught up. So but, but there are naysayers. There are naysayers, of course, evolution <laughs> and I'll creationism, say. okay? Now, Attenborough gets hate mail from creationists, I'm going to tell you, because he, he, he's, he's Mr. Evolution Man. So let's, let's get a sample of some of see what, what he says there. Do you have 
creationists running after you saying, are you embracing yeah. God's creation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, people. if people think that the first woman was made by God putting Adam in a trance and taking a rib from a side, if you believe that, there's no argument. I mean, because you can't argue with right. people. There's no place that. to go from there's there. No, no, there's no rational argument. Often also people single out the most beautiful things in nature for getting the most... Yes, exactly so. They don't think about malarial parasite or the worm in the eye of a boy sitting on the bank of an African river that's boring its way through a little boy's eyeball and turning blind. And if you believe God created every species individually, you have to believe that God deliberately put that on ground, which is not uh, compatible with what I understand about the Christian God. Not a state of benevolence. I, I didn't know about that worm. Yeah. And you know what? I'm I'm keeping an eye out for it. I'm telling you. You know, there was a in the movie in the get movie it? an eye out. Get it? An, oh, I didn't get it at that moment. Thanks. I can tell. I'm just, ladies and gentlemen, sitting with these Chuck's two, joke you know, needed help on that one. Okay. Ball went right through the wicket. Sorry, I was too slow so on that one. One of the one things too. to appreciate about parasites is they are apparently the best reason to have sex. And I'm not joking you, and this is called the theory. Because we gem- needed more reasons to have sex. Oh, okay. Than I thought he was existed. talking about gold diggers. I'm okay. so sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, you, uh, right. No. So one of the old questions in biology, if you will, I say evolutionary biology, is why do you have sex? And apparently it's to get a new mix of genes, so modern, so different from the previous set, that right. germs and parasites can't quite keep up. Exactly. And you stay just a little ahead. Why don't you just divide yourself in half like any self-respecting bacteria? Amoeba. Yes, and just move on. No, we're all complicated with all this sports cars and high heels and all this Otherwise, stuff. one virus could take us all out. And it may. Doo, doo, it doo, still doo, may. Doo, 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 doo. But it surely would have by now. Right before it bores through our eyeball. <laughs> well, it's creepy, isn't it? But so okay, does- so Bill, you debated a creationist, Ken Ham, the Ham on Nye debate. Uh, is that... Other, you know, the science community, you, there were mixed reviews oh, about yes. whether you yes. should have done that at all. Yes. How did you deal with that? Well, I did my best. This is to say... Insufficient answer. Uh, so this is to say the downside is when you do something like that, it energizes his base. The upside is... It the raises, creationist base. Yeah. And he gets more money from rich people, apparently in coal country, mm-hmm. but, uh, but also a lot of just regular donors. With that said, it also raised awareness of his activities... And those guys may have crossed a line that will be their undoing. It's an interesting thing, and it would not have been noticed, maybe, uh, not to take credit where it's not due. But you cannot apply for a job at his new facility, the Ark Park, if you are uh, homosexual. You cannot apply for a job without testifying to your Christian belief. You can apparently do that if you're the Hobby Lobby company or something, but you cannot do that if you're going to take tax dollars from the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So this is a this is a museum, a creation. The word museum. museum. There's no artifacts there. They're okay. all things built by okay. the museum so people. A theme park. Theme park. It's theme a theme park, park yeah. with a roof. Okay, so, so now more people know about this. And so I think that uh, <laughs> voters in Commonwealth of Kentucky may rise up. And not tolerate this but are you uh, getting, anti-constitutional are you, thing. Are you getting mail as well? Hate mail? Or? Uh, I get, uh, you read stuff, hate, hate blogs. Hate blogs. But this, these, are, these are not people, as David Attenborough remarked, they're not people you're going to reason with. Comes with the turf. Yeah. Well, uh, Gallup poll in 2014 said 42% of the United States believes in the creationist view of human origins. All the what, more reason to write a book. So what does that say for the future of America? 
We are we're doomed. <laughs> we're working on it. The we're longest journey doomed. starts with a single step. Oh, they're all going to heaven on a doomed country. It's the fundamental idea in all of life science. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the observable feature of nature. When we come oh. back, more of my interview with Chad Barrow. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Talk Radio. We're back. Neil Tyson here. Neil deGrasse Tyson, that is, with Chuck Nice, Bill Nye. So good to be here. Thank you. We got Sir David Attenborough on the line. Yes, we did. Yeah, I got an interview with him when he came through New York, gave a public talk, and I snared him. A compelling one. Indeed. There is nothing he doesn't do that isn't compelling. How's that for three negatives coming out with a... (laughs) (laughs) Minus one cube is minus one. It's brilliant. There you go. So in that interview, we talked about life, we talked about the environment, and I got some clips of him just going on about just our climate and what's what's going on there, and and what is our relationship 
with Earth. Bill, you've done some thinking about this. A great deal. Let's find out what he says, and then let's pick it up and see where we can take it. At some point, you must have, in a life in this work, you sit down and sort of digest it all, and then offer wisdom for humans. I would have thought that you start doing that. I mean, if you're interested in the natural world, you start learning it as soon as you're knee-high to a grasshopper. And that you go through life that way. Because it's changing. You know, when I was a student, nobody knew anything about DNA. Right. Nobody knew anything. The continents shifted across the surface of the globe. The changes in our understanding of the working of the life on Earth has changed beyond recognition in my lifetime. Yeah, but the wisdom, not simply about how to think about life on Earth, but how to think about humans and their relationship to life on Earth. I mean, in the 2000s, you had a series of shows that talked about humans and our relationship to nature. Well, I've done programs about what we're doing to the natural world, that's for sure. We're giving it a very, very bad time. And uh, we're not careful, we'll get a comeback. Already getting a comeback. (laughs) A bad comeback. (laughs) Sure. I mean, yeah, extreme weather. Yes, the new normal. Acidification of the oceans. The new normal is extreme weather. Indeed so. I mean, it's easy enough to understand why. Anybody who's boiled a saucepan of water knows, or cooked, knows that if you heat something up, you increase the reaction and and things Mm -hmm. start cooking. We have heated up the earth since the Industrial Revolution, and we're now getting the consequences. What do you tell people to do? I mean, I think that the general (laughs) attitude should be that we shouldn't waste the bounty of the earth. That's the main thing. You know, the waste that we uh, inflict on the earth is just dreadful. Especially Americans, of course. Well, yeah, and us too. And and what we do with plastic. I got a film the other day of albatross, uh, nesting albatross, that had just circled the Antarctic Ocean, the Antarctic continent, collecting food for its young, and flew all the way back, turned up after 10 days, and fed this nestling that was towering Antarctic girl, regurgitating stuff from its crop, everything, everything that it put in that chick's mouth was plastic. Antarctica. Yeah, well, but that happens everywhere. I mean, all over the Pacific, birds that are collecting food from the surface are taking back food and they're giving it to the chick. And it's plastic, and it'll be there forever. Yeah, the environment doesn't know how to dissolve the plastic. It had never seen it before. We said it's wonderful we went into this new compound that is indestructible. Can you think? And nobody said... Oi, if we're going to keep on doing that, what's going to happen to it? If it's indestructible, it never leaves nature. Isn't that extraordinary? Ever, yeah. No one thought that through. No one thought that through. Bill, you cl- I know separately, because your book is on evolution, I know separately that you're a big climate change guy. Yes, and uh, by the way, there is convergence, intersection between those who claim the Earth is 6,000 years old and those who... Deny, deny climate, climate change. change. There is. Yeah, Ken Ham is explicit that the Earth is getting cooler. It's not warming. He's just wrong. I mean, and it wouldn't matter except... So in the Venn diagram, these two are over, uh, man, strongly overlapping. A, a sharpie, a black sharpie, <laughs> where they intersect. You can mm-hmm. see it from across the room, right. the intersection. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, isn't it? It's probably because there is, uh, even if, let's say, the Earth was heating up and we are all headed towards imminent disaster... It does make a difference. Well, imminent. Uh, imminent. I thought you said imminent. No, imminent okay. disaster, mm-hmm. as in very soon coming with great urgency. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, it does not make a difference because one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So who cares about this place? Yeah. So so what do we do about that, Bill? Well, the longest journey starts with a, a single step. So people listen to this show, for example, right? 
These are scientifically literate people. People want to know more about science. I strongly believe that in the next few years we're going to reach a tipping point. But it is going to be, as we say in sailboat racing, a near-run thing. I say that all the time when I race my sailboats. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a close call. Because that, that makes it so much clearer to me what you're saying. It's going to be a close <laughs> call. A near-run thing. It's not going right. to be – it's not clear who's going to get to the buoy first. Right. The climate change that undoes so many of our urban populations and causes enormous upheaval. Mm-hmm. Or the scientifically literate populace that is emerging with an enthusiasm for scientific truth and understanding the world oh. by critical thinking. So it's the rate at which people are learning versus the rate at which people are denied. Are, are denied. denied. Yeah. See, here's the only problem with that, and I think you're absolutely right. The problem with that is as we continue down this road, which there is also a tipping point where things become irreversible and damage becomes extremely catastrophic, you know. Um, not somewhat catastrophic. Not somewhat. Extremely, <laughs> extremely ca- catastrophic, <laughs> which is a term that I'm trying to get no, people I'm, to understand. You're over-exaggerating about everything. Right. I'm with you. You yes. understand me? So here's the problem. Those, let's say we reach the catastrophe. Those that believe in denial will find another way to deny. It won't be because well, of climate change. And so when I say it's a close call, uh, I mean, we could lose. I mean, the humankind could really be in huge trouble, uh, not just the coastal populations in the developing world, but mm-hmm. everybody could be in trouble. So this is why uh, it's a race. This is why we do what we do to try to, dare I say it, change the world. Wait, when is that book coming out? Uh, next year. Next year, okay. Yeah, this will be a book about climate change and uh, how we're going to address it. And we're going to name it? Again, undeniable. <laughs> well, actually, I'm not joking, you guys. The the title that's being pitched to me is unsustainable. I'm not even oh, joking. Okay, okay, I'm not okay. Even joking. It's going to be the series of unbooks. Well, undeniable, unsustainable, unremarkable. You know. <laughs> so, what we could do, everybody? Do we want to talk about this specific thing, or do we have more David Attenborough to include? Oh no, we totally have some more David Attenborough. So. I mean. uh, because there is a specific thing that I'd like to address, and the model for the specific thing is economic, and it's from the Arctic. Hmm. Well, let's find out. Can you, if you can put a pin in that, Bill? The pin is in it. Let, the pin, pin, the pin, pin it, is in it. Is in it. Let's find out what David Attenborough thinks about the future. Are you hopeful about our future as humans on Earth? Uh, I think our grandchildren are looking back, saying those blokes back there, at the beginning of the 20th century, 31st century, had it good. Much better than we've got it now, I think they'll say. So you're not hopeful about the future? No, I think it's going. I think things are going to get worse or less comfortable. Uh, they get more comfortable for some people. Some people who haven't got it pretty good now. I mean, they will either disappear from that part of the world, or else their, their living standards will be increased a bit. Uh-huh. But by and large, I mean, the people who are living high on the hog, which is you and me, right. our equivalents won't be quite so high. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a reality check on the excesses of, yeah. of modern life. All right, so he he thinks we're that's it. <laughs> you know what's funny is that every scientist you talk to, I don't care what their particular concentration, if they know anything about science, they're not hopeful. <laughs> No one says, you know what, it's going to be great. You know, I mean, people need to wake up and realize that every single scientific mind in the world basically says, hey, you know what, we might be in trouble. Bill, are you hopeful? Because you're you're our last hope here. I'm always optimistic. If you're not optimistic, you're not going to take action to get things done. But I say it's going to be a close call. And this is not an extraordinary claim. 
It's going to be uh, a, a, a tough nut to crack. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is have a fee for carbon, carbon dioxide production, and then we will return the fee to the people. Power to the people. Because so I didn't know Bill was a communist. Man. <laughs> well, Had I known that before I invited him on the show. But here's the trouble. <laughs> I can hear Ted Cruz right now. Okay. So, Ted, Ted, here's the trouble. Where's the model for this? Collect using um, wealth from the public and redistributing it to the people. Well, I don't know. Don't they call that socialism? Yeah. And where is it in the United States? Alaska. Alaska. Oh, yeah. Has the Alaska... They have a reverse income tax. That's, uh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Okay, so the state, that is not the, known The for... state makes money. My wife came from Alaska. Oh, that's, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, so She's every family gets... It's like $1,000 per... I don't know what it is this now. This year, but, it's 1800 Yeah. In her day, it was $1,000 per member of the family, which also meant you might want to have more babies. But it's per year. And this is the... It's called... A, it's a tax... Um, a, a negative tax rate for their oil uh, profits Alaska that they made. production fund, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. So we could do this, and this would provide economic ex- incentives, which I think is the key to getting her done. To so, keep it in the capitalist motivated. Well, not just that. So people who make a lot of carbon dioxide, these would be rich people who live high on the hog, as David Attenberg ca- described it, where the meat is strong and properly marbled. And then... Uh, the middle class would get the money back. Oil companies, fossil fuel companies already have this built in. They're anticipating a $40 a ton surcharge mm. that's in their economic modeling. It's cool. We could, if we did this, and then the countries that don't produce carbon do- as much carbon dioxide would have a, a, a tariff or a fee on the goods that were, that were being imported that had a high carbon output. This is a solve. This is not everything's going to be fine. It is part of the solution. So, Bill, for president's economic advisor, that's what you're... Well, yeah. this is not an extraordinary claim, and it's not really my no, idea. it makes but, sense. You're but i got to say, it's from a libertarian point of view, strangely enough. Well, we got to end the show on some kind of nice note. Okay. Just, I don't want to send people away crying. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> no, let's get her done. <laughs> no, thank sir, sir. Uh, so, Mr. Attenborough, I, I had to ask him, what are a few of your favorite things? Mm. Let, let's, let's see where that goes. Okay. So what's your favorite plant? No, I don't have one. You don't have one? You like them all? Well... Venus flytrap? Uh, uh, sure, I've got a Venus flytrap on my desk. You have you have one on your desk? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, don't you? <laughs> I'd, I'd love to have one on well, my desk. it's easy enough. You can buy them in normal stores. <laughs> okay. Venus flytrap and... Uh, well, that's your, what you do. I, I'm thinking of Venus. <laughs> I, I could think... I, well, I could think of something else. Um, a passion flower. Okay, your favorite fungus. <laughs> uh, that one red with the red cap with white spots on. Do you know that one? I uh, know. Yeah, no. yeah. Okay. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. No. Show that in, in, in cartoons, thing, actually. Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. That's what uh, Snow White was yes, of course. sitting on them all the time. Well, you remember, I remember that. Right. What's the oddest animal, oddest well, animal that you've seen? Well, there's a, there's a nice little creature that only lives in crocodile's tears. That's interesting. That's pretty odd. Wow. Yeah, all right, that wins. Uh, the ugliest animal? Oh. I'm trying to keep it quiet. <laughs> She'd be very upset. <laughs> so out of respect for the animals, you don't want to... I, ugliest? I think some of those internal parasites are pretty horrible. Yeah, plus what they do and how they work. Yeah, yeah and where yeah. they live. How about uh, your favorite animal? If you really wanted to know what animal made me make tears come to my eyes... That's the animal I want to know. Yeah, okay. A six-month-old human baby. 
Oh, that's a good answer. There it is. Wow, look at that. Sir Some David of Attenborough. And you know what? I, I was really expecting him to say, like, raindrops on roses or whiskers on kittens <laughs> and didn't get any of that. Uh, these so. are a few of my favorite things when I'm a naturalist. <laughs> you both have, have had six-month-old babies. Yes. But they always they move away from that. Chuck is a baby making machine. Chuck, how many babies you? In, how many children you have? Um, I'm, see, he had to th- see that. Yeah. it didn't just come right off his mouth. He said, "Uh, let me count." I'm like the old dirty bastard of Star Talk Radio. I have a <laughs> no. I only have three, and okay. uh, I have to tell you, uh, each one of them, thank God, has made it past the six month mark, and I couldn't stand them as people when they were there. I despise babies. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to birth them as full-grown adults. Oh, God. That would be so awesome. <laughs> That's really hard. Okay, so you'll never be as popular as David Attenborough never. because you don't like babies. Okay, if you're a politician, you'd, what would you do to the baby that was brought up to your mouth? I, um, believe it or not, I would uh, kind of turn my head and go, That's a nice baby. And give it right back. <laughs> okay. Wow. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio. <laughs> Chuck Nice, thanks for being on. As always, uh, Sir William Nye. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you on Star Talk Radio. Oh, uh, no, it is we who must thank you, no. Dr. Tyson. <laughs> we are supported in part by a grant from the Sloan Foundation. Very cool. Thanks. And we that. encourage our listeners to, to keep looking at us. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.